Welcome to episode 387 of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. This is a video episode, so if you're listening on your favorite podcast and you'd rather be watching, just head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die 387. Easy as that. As a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can find all past episodes. You can find our upcoming classes and demonstrations. And of course, we've got a free Sunday gathering every week at 2 p.m. New York time, which is filled with inspiration and hope and also a free medium demonstration included. Now, let me introduce you to our guests. We have with us Hope Fitzgerald and Gary Malkin. Gary is a multiple Emmy award-winning composer, speaker, and performer who inspires the world to embrace music as a catalyst for greater emotional intelligence, heart-centered mindfulness, and global healing. He's the founder and chief visionary officer of Wisdom of the World Wellness. Hope is a spiritual teacher, intuitive dowser, and coach. She's also a healer, a certified neurofeedback practitioner, an end-of-life midwife, and the creator of the upcoming Graceful Passages Workshop Retreat with Gary that's coming up November 10th through 13th in 2022 in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley in Lexington, Virginia. There is so much more about these two wonderful people but we'll let them tell you in their own words and we'll hear why they believe in the afterlife. You can find them on their websites, spreadinfinitehope.com and wisdomoftheworld.com. Hope and Gary, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sandra. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you. And for anyone listening right now, we are actually just meeting for the first time. So you're meeting them along with me, and I think this is just a wonderful place to be. So would one of you guys like to go first? Maybe how how did you meet each other first? And then we can find out a little bit about your past and how you got into this. How? Oh, why don't you start? Because you actually heard about me before I heard about you. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, the, the beautiful full circle of this whole story is that how I first heard I heard Gary before I heard Gary's name. I I was given a copy of Graceful Passages, the uh, CD, when I was recovering from having losing, having lost my mom. And I sat down one night with my husband and listened to this CD. There was no name on it except for Graceful Passages. And the two of us just went on a journey with this incredible incredible offering. It is, uh, Gary will tell you more about it, but it, it, it gets in under the skin in about the first 30 seconds and it doesn't leave you. It just takes you on a journey of uh, really release um, and forgiveness and healing. And I thought whoever put this together is a freaking genius. <laughs> Little did I know Eight years later, he would walk in my front door and it was like the two of us kind of went, oh, oh, siblings. Oh, here we are together again. And um, 
And it's been that way ever since. And so the full circle of this is that he and I are putting this, it's Gary's work, but I've, I've done a lot of work in, on my own. And we're pulling our resources together to do the first Graceful Passages workshop. So that's how we met in a nutshell. And what I'll say is that um, Hope is a true Renaissance woman who is not only an extraordinary medium and spiritual guide and teacher and phenomenal human being with the highest integrity, but she's also coming from a history of singing and acting and bringing theater into people's lives. And how I met her was that we are in the process, my creative partner and I on this pro on a project are building a musical that we're hoping will go to Broadway. And when we launched the first iteration of this musical, uh, where she, when she was living in Stockbridge, the Berkshires, I walked into her door, and we she played a role in our in our staged reading, and it, it was all very magical. I fell in love with uh, Hope and her husband, and at one point we were on the couch just after it was all done, I think, or one of the visits that I had, and I looked at her and I felt her commitment to if there was one for me, if there's a year to live that I. If I lived for a year, the one thing I would want to do is to be a stand for the role that music can play in softening our intuition and 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 sensitivity and um, willingness to be open to the veil uh, in every way conceivable. And when I felt, I looked at her and she went, "Me, me, you, yes." Well, I went, "Okay, we got a little soul contract going on here." <laughs> So we just, I fell in love with Hope and she's actually changed my life. She's one of the most grounded and inspiring spiritual teachers I've ever had the pleasure to be with. So not to mention a phenomenal friend. Oh, I love that. People really do need people. There's enough negativity out in the world. So to combine forces and be together, not just, you know, sharing the good word, but sharing everything you're up to and then having that joy between you. I know what that's like with my friends and I that work together yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And I don't know too much about music and the veil and everything you just said, Gary, however you just said that was so nice. Um, talk to us a little bit about your passions. You mean Maybe share a little bit more what that is, because as you know, many of our listeners and viewers have a loved one who has transitioned. So tell us what you know about that and tie that in with your passion. Help you want me to start or would you Go like ahead, to start? Gary, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know, um, music is the universal language of humanity. And some say it's the universal language of human emotion, right? But when it's designed to evoke emotions, which is the art of film scoring, the art of film scoring is like a hundred years of discovery in what melodies and genres and textures and chords and colors and sounds and what are those the ones that open very specific emotions so as a 40-year veteran of composing music for tv film and commercials i got really good at creating music that evoked very specific music on the genome of the human emotional range right so when when i was ready to be initiated even though my father died in 91 right before my daughter was conceived my 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 true death that I experienced, which was not a literal death, but a metaphoric death of a marriage and a serious accident. And I didn't know if I'd ever play piano again. 
it was really something that I realized I, it was a, a talent that I didn't know could be so useful would be to take wisdom and use the art of film scoring to unlock your ability to hear wisdom, not just as a cognitive experience, but as a visceral, emotional, and soulful experience. And what I unlocked was this recognition, which is kind of an uh-duh. The radio dramas did it in the 30s, you know? So it's not like I invented. And hell, the church invented it in the early, early right, the, the year of our Lord one, you know? Well, whenever the churches started really promoting their stuff with incense and colors and stained glass. And that's all multi-sensory tools to make God visceral and using beauty, beauty in a multi-sensory way to make the, the spiritual visceral, right? To make the spiritual something you experience. Well, film scoring is another version of stained glass and incense. <laughs> and I used it for that purpose. And I very specifically, we interviewed remarkable people like Thich Nhat Hanh, like like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the pioneer of dying, like Ramdas, like Rabbi Zalman Shachter, like the uh, Tuwe Min, the specialist from Harvard on Taoism. And we asked him, if you were going to die tomorrow, what would you say to the loved one, you most person you most loved in this world? And we wouldn't just accept these famous people's response immediately. We kept on digging until Houston, we made contact. There was soul presence. There was like higher self was hello in the room because literally the moment that happened, it was like, like in the movies when the wind comes through the window, it was like, you know, and I had tears and chills. I went, okay, big ass self is in the room. <laughs> and we recorded remarkable, intimate, authentic messages with infused with great tenderness from people of, of extraordinary nature and then I used later, I edited it and used the art of film scoring with my partner, Michael and Doris Stillwater, to create this unique blending of spoken word and music that has the power to cut through the noise of the world, slow you down to an innate sense of wholeness to your connection to source, and drop you into a remembrance of who you are and what matters most. And in that aha holy moment, that's when we're most receptive to having access to our, our our loved ones on the other side. That's when we're most accessible to our emotional and spiritual truth. Um, and it really became a phenomenal, uh, groundbreaking viral experience where over a million people now have recontextualized the death and dying or the loss of a job and a career and a relationship as an opportunity to feel grateful to be a part of the cycle of life. And that gratitude grounds you into the receptivity of the kind of listening that I'm learning from hope that she often does in her medium work and her spiritual work as well. So that's my law. This is the shortest I can make it, but that's the story of my journey. And now we're doing all kinds of things for the beginning of life and the end of life. But the work that hope and I are doing is unlocking the role that unassimilated grief has on our ability to live life with joy, gratitude, and purpose. 
So I'll stop there. Mic drop. Bing. <laughs> we can go to hope. But I just want to ask, can, is there somewhere where we can s- still listen to that? You said over a million people. Oh, of course. Wisdomoftheworld.com. You can download the work because CDs don't exist anymore. Unless you want to buy it from Amazon, we'll probably have have old copies that people will sell. Um, and wisdomoftheworld.com. Also, you can buy it and hear it anywhere that um, digital audio is sold. The wisdom world. of the world it's available okay. all over the world on digital formats you gave me goosebumps just when you were sharing that and it's just like i, I want to know i want to hear so okay now i'm inspired <laughs> oh. <laughs> well i yeah i am too <laughs> every time i hear i hear gary talk about it I, I get excited and i can't i'm pinching myself i get to be a part of it um well you know, I um, I had my bookshelves lined with books about mediumship and channeling and people who were able to travel to the other side and come back. And I never thought it would happen to me. I, I've been a, on a spiritual path since a very young age. I mean, literally since I was nine. But uh, more seriously, when I, by the time I was 17 and I started meditating. But it was always in my own little private, I know it was kind of a train track next to my life, you know, and I kept it very private. And I I studied a lot of things, a lot of different philosophies, a lot of uh, healing approaches and all of that, hands-on healing, all that stuff. And, um, and then in 2010, I had a really, really challenging year, very, very painful year. And... Uh, a lot of death and a lot of destruction. And at the end of it, I was just, you know, really existing on fumes. And I went to sound healing workshop out West. And, um, and I basically went on a shamanic journey. I didn't know that ahead of time, but that's what it ended up being. And when I came home, I was so empty of everything, uh, of story, of all the junk, you know, I felt completely really identity free. <laughs> you could have called me anything and I would have answered. Anyway, <laughs> in about th- three days that lasted and it was so fabulous. I can't even tell you. Um, and then all of a sudden I had these visions and uh, I had three visions right in a row on the same day and they were waking visions. Uh, and the, it ended up with this uh, this vision of a, of a figure eight made of flowing water. So it kind of looks like this. That's the best representation of it I can give you. And uh, it turns out this had a name and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that is a, a called the infinity wave. And it's here to help us with our evolution. So that's a big part of what I've been doing ever since then. Um, and even though, you know, I was comfortable with my tracks side by side, I was completely nudged to make them one track. And, you know, have this become my life. Well, that started to open up all kinds of things. And I started to become, uh, much to my amazement, uh, a channel. And, uh, you know, things would come through my mouth and all kinds of things started to happen, all kinds of strange things. But they were all for the good. And I ended up teaching about this infinity wave and have been doing that for the last 12 years. Um, And along the way, in the channeling, I found that at times I was able to, usually I'm speaking with beings that are kind of master beings, you know, um, 
But now and then I would have a friend or somebody would be so in the depths of grief, having lost somebody, um, that I would channel or their their loved one. And uh, in order to help them recover from the spir- this, this cycling of grief, this cycling around and around, we all know it, we've all been there. And we just, I, I want to give them that little urge out so it be- can become a spiral and you can spiral up and out of it. And so if, if bringing through their loved one it could do that. That's that's what I would do. I don't do it that often, um, but I am dedicated to helping people move through grief uh, in order to live more fully. And and Gary's right. Music is such a key component to that. We we can we be can be. But with your music, it is. I, I'm going to make that statement mm-hmm. because it. I, I use his his music all the time when I'm doing guided meditations. It just takes people to a place, and then we can go wherever we want to go. But it immediately sets the person up to have an experience, a positive experience. Um, so that that's a little bit of a nutshell. So I just wanted to explain one other thing. So you mentioned that I'm a dowser. So that's something I do with, with these little dowsing rods right here. And they're a way that I can help people make decisions about their lives. Um, so I, I, well, I won't go too deeply into that. Unless oh, that's I, interesting. It's okay. I took a course in dowsing and I've got a set upstairs and it's amazing, really, what we pick up. And I thought I was going to just learn, you know, how to find underground streams for wells and whatnot. But when we started dousing people's energy patterns and everything, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's so much more to life than what meets the eye. I mean, it was just oh, a, yes. a, a great part. Hope, at some point, you've been an end-of-life doula. I don't know. Um, could you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Because there's people that, I mean, what a beautiful thing to offer people or have offered people. But I also know there's those of us who have been with our loved one as they pass. Well, um, I, uh, I, as I was saying, you know, I've been on this path a long time. And uh, when I was 17, I found Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book uh, about her her treatise on on how we could do a better job of helping our loved ones die. And uh, I was fascinated by it. I've been fascinated with death, if you will, <laughs> since I was a high schooler, which is a little unusual. Um, but along the way, I have been this uh, at the bedside or uh, able to help others at the bedside to move into the experience of the dying process, which I consider to be one of the holiest journeys we have. It, I, I actually like to call myself midwife to the afterlife because it is a birth, right, into another realm. And uh, I, I actually love to use graceful passages as one of my tools for not only the person who's transitioning, but very much so for the ones who are being left behind. You know, one of the hardest things is getting a dialogue going. We are not taught in this culture about how to do this. 
And it's just, um, it's really almost a crime in my, in my view, because in, in earlier times, death was so much more part of the people would die at home, they'd die in their beds, the family would be around and it, it was more a part of life. And in ancient cultures, it was actually uh, viewed as your number one responsibility to learn how to die well. So you didn't leave behind any detritus. You didn't leave parts of yourself behind. So you would start learning how to die cleanly and clearly all through your life. And there were practices for such things. The Tibetans did this. The, the Native Americans did this. And just to name two. And, and so these, these practices would help us deal with our fear of death and help us to understand this rotation that we leave, we come back, we leave, we come back. And the, the cleaner we leave, the easier it is, it, you know, if we come back. So um, I, I really see this as, as an essential part of living, because the more we do this and break down our fear factor around it, the more we are able to live fully. And this is what our workshop is really going to be focusing on, the leading people down different paths to be able to end up just singing and dancing and, and clapping at, at the joy of life. And I, I'd like to add something here. Can I? Uh, so yes. I remember being in, I remember being in a workshop with Jill, uh, uh, Rupert Sheldrake's wife, Jill, I'm forgetting her last name now, but she's a phenomenal uh, sound healer from England. And uh, she did the constellation journey in a few hours at Hollyhock, which is a wonderful workshop space, where she awakened me to the reality that if you tune to it, that our ancestors are just rooting for us. And I never really, I was a year, it was about 10 years ago. And I, I was like, that feels correct. That if if our ancestors are, if the universe is all based on resonance and frequency and vibration, in a way, it's kind of like changing the channel on a radio station and they're static. And then all of a sudden you find the resonant vibrational frequency, right? And so when I started to pay attention to my ancestors, I mean, this is one of the reasons I love the phrase that Stephen Jenkinson came up with called orphan wisdom. It's one of the great losses in developed countries that is that like it is like a crime is that unlike hispanic cultures unlike third world countries uh, cultures the honoring of ancestors is such a fundamental part of the cultural identity in many many cultures and the fact that that we're such a materialistic reductionist society that thinks it's too woo woo to actually believe that our ancestors are existing on another plane of reality is one of the great crimes of the developed of the developed worlds, right? So when I started paying attention to that more, I started to become able to sensitize myself to a higher frequencies that enabled me to feel their presence. Not as much as hope. I'm still a beginner, but when I do music. Well, like an example, one of the ways in which I think now, and I never describe it this way, but when my sister, who's my beloved siblings, my only sister and my favorite sibling, you know, like she and I were 
I don't want to make this public, but let's just say we were the most al- al- aligned rather than say anything about anybody else in my family. And so when she came down with brain cancer, I was so clear based on the prognosis that this was going to kill her, whether it was going to take two, six or 12 months. That was the odds of this particular brain cancer. And I, after I spent time with her as she was getting the tumor removed, I went on this walk. I said, OK, God, you got to give me this song. I need you to give me this song. I don't want to work for it. I've labored over thousands of pieces of music for 50 years. I want you to give me a song. Can you give me a song, please? All of a sudden, I had this image of my daughter being born because she almost died at childbirth. And this song came through. The sun comes up. I hear a cry. A baby's born. I see her eyes. We're made of grace and a wisp of stars. Do you remember who you are? And it evolved. It's it's my song. It's the thing I most identified with. And and when it wrote itself, I ended up singing it to her tens and tens of times during the 14 months that she lived with me as I took she took me over the threshold, right, to her to her next phase of existence. And ever since I've sung it, a psychic told me a few years after that she says, I wanted to know about my life and why, why things weren't going well financially. And she said, oh, we have more important things to talk about. Your sister wants to tell you she loves you. She's so grateful to you. She wants to tell you how much she loves that every time you sing her song, She's about six feet to the left and forward a little bit. And she just shows up every time and just loves it. So there I am thanking Ram Dass in Hawaii before he died about three years ago and sang him the song. And, and at, when it was done, Ram Dass looked over to the left of me and, and he went, hi, Lexi. Because <laughs> I think he saw her and he was close to the veils anyway. So this song has been my talismanic tool to anchoring me to the reality of the other side because I feel my sister, it's for her, it's from her, it's connected to her. And that song has been my talismanic cultivation tool for connecting to the other side. I never thought of it that way, but that's the first time I've ever said it. Hope, you know? Yeah. I get to sing it and I feel the presence of my sister, you know? Very cool. Do you have that recorded that we can hear it sometime? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can send you a demo. I can send you a demo. It's actually now a song that's in the Broadway, hopefully Broadway musical that we're creating, that we're having a big backwards preview in a few weeks. And it's it's a song that made it in the musical. So I'm excited about it. Lexi is from the other side is cheering this musical on. She wants her song in the musical. I can just feel it. Well, hello to Lexi. (laughs) No doubt that she's right here with us right now. Hello, Lexi. Oh, that is so beautiful. Oh, really incredible. Where should we go next, guys, on this trio of a great conversation? Well, you know, I, I will say one more thing just to for your fans who want kind of a sense of resonance that we are, in fact, people that are belong in this club with you, <laughs> which is I had an experience with Hope recently where she had a transmission of my sister that was so powerful. And, and I, I don't want to, I, I just want to acknowledge that that was so comforting to hear something from her where I felt her energy 
and hope brought her energy through. But one in particular was about seven years ago on a on a ship that I was speaking with Sue Mortar and and uh, and John Gray and other people. And there was this medium on the ship, and I said, "Can I can I check in to see if my sister wants to say anything?" And this was the first time that she she said, well, she's telling me to do something. We went away in the corner in a quiet area, and she took my hand, like, you know, cupped my face, and she said, your sister is asking me to do this. And she cupped my face, like the tenderness, and kissed me on the forehead. And I got goose flesh all over my body, and I remembered a memory that was when I was, like, before I have any memories. I can't remember anything before five, but I remember at three, she always used to do that to me as a child. And I, I, I had a body memory. I get, I get the chills just talking about it. And I went, Lexus, oh, my God. Because I was, you know, a three-year-old girl's wet dream. I was born when she was three, and I never left her arms when, she, when I was born. So I bonded to my sister, not to my mother. And that's why that moment was so meaningful to me. So just it's beautiful when we have visceral body felt experiences of the presence of the people that are on the other side that we love so much. Absolutely. But it takes us slowing down. We can't be busy on our phones over here, computers over here, worried about the past and the future up here. It really well, the fact that you just said that, that is exactly the secret. I'm in the slow music movement. Got to slow and train people down to a slower pace so that your natural wholeness comes forward and then your receptivity enters in. And that, I've, I've said enough. I hope it's your turn to take the, yeah. take the talking stick. No, no, I, uh, it's fine. I love hearing all of this. And I remember when she came through when we were together. Um, and, and you know, that that is a, a blessing when those things happen. Um, I... You know, I pretty much move my my energy out of the way. And so if somebody wants to come through, they can come through pretty cleanly. Um, but anyway, that, that aside, I'm trying to think of, uh, I have lots of stories of um, my own experiences at the bedside um, with people departing. I don't know if that's helpful. But, you know, Hope, I want you to know I've got the chrysalis queued up. I could put it low and you could create, a, at some point, a guided meditation for people to access their loved ones on the other side. Just in the spirit of uh, Sandra talking about slowing down, we sure. could create an actual experience. So sure. if you want to do that, I'm ready when you are, if you want to. Okay. Great. If you're whenever, whenever you want. It doesn't have to be now, but whenever. No, that that'd be fine. Um I'll, I'll just trust what's coming through and, and none of this is premeditated. So we'll just, uh, we'll give it a shot. Absolutely. And hope before we do go our separate ways today, just from you being by the bedside, have you had any experiences where people could see their loved ones or see an angel? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I actually have kind of a funny one. Um, I have a few, but one is that my, my grandfather was a real practical joker and uh, he was known for that. And so when my, he died at a young age at 50 and when my 70 something year old, uh, his wife, my step-grandmother was dying in our home, um, that having battled cancer, uh, we had hospice in the home. And actually that was my first 
experience of seeing somebody through the process uh, because we were very close. But before she died, all these things would happen. Like, you know, the cabinet doors to the kitchen would be wide open in the morning. Um, You know, things would be messed up. Uh, One time she and I were talking and and she was very funny, too. She was an ex-Vaudeville star. And uh, all of a sudden the TV bursts on, you know, when we, the clicker was in a drawer, like there was no, no way these things could happen. And we knew as you go, Bill's there, you know, and we just, we just knew he was around and, and he was trying to add some levity to the whole thing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I, ha- I, I'm going to tell you this story I, in case this is helpful for people, because uh, I was in my young thirties when this was going on, and I I said goodbye to her on Memorial Day. It was Monday, and I was living in New York at the time, and so I was a train ride, about an hour train ride away. But on the weekends and on holidays, trains aren't that often, right? So I said goodbye to her, and I said the hardest words to say is "It's okay to go," right? That is one of the hardest things to say. Easy to think about, hard to actually bring it out of your mouth. But I said it and I said goodbye and I got on the train and I was halfway to New York when I don't know what came over me. I I, I had physical sensations like like I was just turning inside out and and I couldn't make any logical sense of it, but I just had to get off the train. And I got off the train halfway between New York and Connecticut, where we were living, and I waited for the next train going back. And I got a cab, and I finally got back to the house at about 11, 11.30 at night. And I went in, and I sat next to my grandmother. By that point, and she had not been in a coma, but by that point, she was. And um, I, I sat with her. And I listened, you know, it's it's not comfortable sometimes to be with the person who is dying. The, the physical sensations of it can be very uncomfortable. But what I found was that I, I started to pop, kind of pop up and out of the physical part of me. I kind of just j- popped out. That's the only way I can think of it. And when I popped out, I entered this realm of such peace and the feeling that I had done this a thousand times. I knew what this was about. I wasn't worried. I was, I was buoyed and, and I was present in a different way. And then I'd come crashing back in and, you know, all the challenges of all that. And by the end of the night, I was able to sustain, to control this. And stay in this popped up place. And all night long, her, her, a little tear kept coming down from her eye. And I kept saying to her, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Well, I had to step out at, at, a, at dawn just for 30 seconds. And I came back in and she was just leaving. Because I learned from that experience, some people want to go by themselves. They don't necessarily want. So I have a protocol around that now where I tell the family every hour, just tell her you'll be back in 10 minutes. And then, you know, 
so that there's always that opportunity. So a person isn't hanging on and hanging on, waiting to go by herself or himself. So anyway, I came back in and she was just leaving. Well, about a month later, my mother <clears throat> had contacted uh, a medium and had had a great conversation with my grandmother, Lillian, and said, you need to talk to her. So the medium came to me and she took one look at me and gave me this huge hug and then sat me down and she said, honey, just like my grandmother would, honey, why did you think I'd be afraid when you've helped me through this so many times? I had not told anybody that I had been telling her not to be afraid the whole time. And it just, wow, you know, as if I needed proof which I guess I did at that point, that this goes on, that this communication, that they hear us, that they're aware that, that there is this other level, that there's, there's this other level where we've all done this a thousand times. And even our own deaths, we've done a thousand times. We know what this is. And it was very, very comforting. So that's why I share that story in case that's helpful to anybody. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, and, and I just want to, uh, I, I was kind of feeling I'd play this music underneath what I'm about to say, but I'm going to wait because I want to hope to do a little meditation over this. But I do want to say one other story. You know, this is relevant because the link up between our workshop and your and this work that we're talking about is um, it, sensitizing to the beings of our ancestors and our loved ones on the other side is a, is a kind of a softening energy that is very much like what I call grief literacy. The very thing that you have, have to open to, to uh, metabolize grief is a similar kind of energy to receiving information from the other side. You have to be kind of empty of the holding on and the grasping and you have to be willing to let go and open to the curiosity of the, ma the majesty and the awe of it, right? Um, and just so that so the purpose of our workshop is really about getting to the heart of why the ancestors are rooting, rooting us on, because they know what a miracle it is to be actually in this school that we're in called life, this 3D school. They know what a miracle it is. It's like this place we can smell and taste and touch and feel and hear and listen. And it's such a phenomenally multidimensional experience. And it really, you know, it, it, it creates a lot of, you know, builds builds wonder in all like wonder bread in 12 ways, you know. <laughs> well, we're speaking of the same language. Bread, yeah. <laughs> instead of wonder bread being building bodies, it builds wonder in 12 ways, right? Oh, that's so, so funny. So the story is that my brother at the deathbed of my sister was in so much grief and so much holding on, my older brother, that he lashed out at me horrifically. And not just once, but repeatedly for weeks. Uh, the, 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 the wounds and the, and the grudges and all the things he never forgotten. Somehow, for some reason, I became the target. And it was, it was, it was, uh, it was unbearable. And I was, I couldn't not get past being reactive because I was so in much grief that after a while, I just started like, you know, like an animal that, that you know, like goes back after about 10 insults. Um, and my, and my, and my sister was in a coma 
and hanging on with in this endless coma because she was hurting herself when she was conscious because of her brain uh, cancer. And he and I happened to just show up with her over, over her coma as she was in the coma. And I said, and it was just very hard between us. And I said, Steve, you know, you and I never really opened our hearts to one another the way we have with my, with, with Lexi being the woman in the family. Maybe she's not letting go because she wants us to, wants to know that we're going to be okay, that we're going to forgive each other, that we're going to heal. And in, he was just so close to me that I took the risk in saying that. And he stuck his hand out to me over, right over her head and said, maybe. And, and we held each other's hand. And then the, the doorbell ring and he went to get somebody at the door and I'm standing there. And when he came back, she was gone. And it was weeks in coma. And the moment that he extended the olive branch and was willing to reach his hand out. So I know in my bones, I get the chills every time. I don't even know if I told you this story. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so what the Jewish tradition on the new year today is the new year is Beshert. It was so meant to be. So that faith that they want us to honor each other and love each other and feel forgiveness for each other and, 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 and be a stand for the awe and the miracle of life and be grateful for. So in the spirit of that, I have a piece. I love that you said, Sandra, well, you have to slow down for that. Well, you, girl, right on time. You're my shill, baby. Because that was like. <laughs> we three are birds of a feather because I everything you're saying, I'm completely in line. Aligned. I see. I see it's landing. So I'm just going to use this music. And for the people that are listening, just allow the music to entrain your 13 point, I mean, 37.2 trillion cells that vibrate like water does when you put music on it in a beautiful way. And allow yourself to let the words and the music touch you. And we'll do a short one, right? Oh, like five minutes or something. Well, I don't know that I, I, I don't know. Well, you do whatever you do. Here we are. It's 2.13 or whatever you let spirit be your guide. I know it'll turn out perfectly. Is that okay with you, Sandra? Can we do Perfect. it? Perfect. Take as little or as much time as you like. I've got okay. nowhere to be but with you. All right. Beautiful. Here we go.
I will meet you now. In your grief and in your hearts. You wish to know that this grief will have an end. And I am here to tell you that it will. Let us build a bridge today between you and your beloveds, those who have moved over into another reality. Though they walk with you side by side, Place your hand on your heart. Feel the life beating deep within you. Feel the spark of creation that keeps that beautiful heart of yours alive. This spark exists beyond your physical body. And it is this spark that we will use to create the bridge. Let us take a deep breath into that spark right now. Inhale into it. And when you exhale, imagine that it is growing like an arc, emerging out of that sparky center there in your heart. Each in-breath fuels you to exhale a sparking arc. Where? Into the spark that is your departed, dear one. And the exhale, it moves up and out of you in a beautiful stream. And it finds your beloved, who now returns the spark to you. So now your in-breath receives your beloved's love, your beloved's face and essence.
the dream that was your earthly relationship and the reality that is your soul relationship. Breathing this way, spark to spark. You receive one another wholly and completely. On the strands of love and understanding and acceptance. This is the wonder of soul connection, dear ones. And you may do it with as many of your beloveds as you wish, including your dear animals. And so it is, my friends. That was just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of all of us. Beautiful music and beautiful words, Hope. I got blessed with seeing my dad, my grandmother. And then when you said animals, I had a dear kitty named Millie. Which is, I just, I feel the love. I feel her cuddled to my chest right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that was so beautiful, Hope. Thank you so much. Now you know why I, I, I ran, not walked, to the idea of Graceful Passages workshop with her. Because the big thing about Graceful Passages in a culture that denies death, dying, illness, and, and aging is when we suddenly understood that the most common obstruction to the path of living your life of purpose, gratitude, and flow was people not understanding how to metabolize their grief. And then when we put it in this code that, that Hope came up with, this four-part code that is grief literacy first, right? Second is making friends with uh, the mystery. Or no, the second one is love and acceptance of self and forgiveness of self and others. The third step is making friends with the, the great mystery, the unknown, and cultivating a sense of humility and awe. And then the fourth step is stepping into the fullness of joy and gratitude for the, the ultimate purpose of all of this is to get clean and empty and free and liberated from the burden of making these grievances and these losses that are unresolved weigh so heavily on us. That's not what they're for. They're for tenderizing and opening in us to the fullness of our humanity, 
not to burden us down to, oh, life is so hard. You know, it's not meant for that. <laughs> yeah, I think so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. I think I, oh, go ahead, I read, go ahead. read somewhere that something like 96% of our healthcare dollars goes to people in their last year of life. People want to hang on and we we aren't taught about grief. We aren't. And I think one of the reasons so many people want to consult mediums and know about the afterlife is they haven't put their finger on it, but it's grief, this unresolved grief. And there hasn't been any, not too many tools. So beneath everything I do is the foundation of really helping people through grief. So I think this is all beautiful. And Hope, maybe you could share a little bit about what's going to be happening in November at Graceful Passages. And of course, our friends that are listening that want to join, you're more than welcome to. It's in 2022. So you may be listening to this in the future, but there'll be some really good things on the websites too, even when you are, if you're listening in the future, but this hasn't happened yet. Um, so tell us. <laughs> I, I just, well, first of all, I want to just say, Gary, what you just said, it's so perfect that we're doing this on this particular day <clears throat> on the, the really the holiday, so to speak of, uh, of forgiveness and 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 releasing um Jewish New Year yeah Jewish right New Year. so um our workshop as Gary has just been describing is going to be a combination of of our passions so we're going to be using music to great extent um we're also going to be using some of the pat- practices and what you just experienced is when I go in and I kind of move out of the way, things come through. I don't always know who it is who's conducting the <laughs> the practice, but I have some in the, you know, I have some already in my pocket <laughs> to share. But the combination of... Uh, I think she has, they have you in their pocket. They have me too. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot. Um, you know, oh. I have learned over the years with all my book learning that nothing takes the place of experience. Nothing works like experience. You can read about it. You can talk about it, but it isn't until you have gone through direct direct that, that you can walk away and say, I know this now in my bones, I have something that, can't be taken out of me. And so Gary and and I are keen to deliver a series of experiences that bring people to a beautiful place so they can shine like the beacons they are. So they're not burdened anymore. So that they, and if they do become burdened again, they know how to flip it into another gear. Right. We're teaching them to fish rather than giving them one experience. Exactly. An initiatory journey to how to navigate through obstructive grief. Right. Yeah. And And, into into the joy of living. Right. And a lot of it has to do with facing the unknown. You know, I think that's why you were mentioning, you know, a lot of people have interest in mediums and everything because they're so unsettled about this unknown thing called the other side. And if we can really start to get comfortable with the unknown and, and, and relaxed with the unknown, that it is actually, we don't know anything ever. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, every <laughs> moment is is not a given. It's it's oh wow, here's another mo- oh here's another mo- here's another moment. It is always the reality that everything is unknown. So, you know, we should start to get more comfortable with that. And the more comfortable we do get with that, the more relaxed we are, more that is freed up to experience everything in a joyful way. So all of this, it sounds like a lot. Sounds <laughs> it's great. It's order for a three-day weekend, but but we think we can deliver it. And, uh, you know, for those- We know, that we, know we can. We know we can. Um, thank you, Gary. And, and uh, in the future, we will have a, a, a webinar version of this probably so other people can uh, experience it down the road. Yeah, well, we've already- done a little bit of that in, in a three-hour experience, but we have uh, the, this workshop will be more like a three, like like four or five hours a day for three days or something like that, you know? Um, but I just want, I was felt compelled to add one more thing that's sort of on the other side because it's so present for me. My mother had a very bad fall five days ago, six days ago. She's 98 and a half years old and lives self-sufficiently, although it's hard to say that because she's so beloved that she has visitors from all over that come and adopt her as their official Jewish mother. Um, so she's not she's not not alone. She's got a lot of people that come every day to see her. But this dear friend of mine, Linnea, said, Gary, there's something your mom needs before she's ready to go. And it she's such a lover of beauty. We've got to give her the smell of the ocean air. We've got to give her the look of a beautiful floral garden. We've got to give her the experience of tastes of this world with her senses so that she can really recognize this is her last sniff. This is her last the wind on her on our shoulders. You know, and, and it was really true. I went, you know what? This is there's the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean she really loves beauty. And so and I'm so in in a way, beauty itself, and that's why this valley, Shenandoah Valley, where we're doing this, is one of the very important catalysts for this workshop. Being in beauty, in verdant hills, in a gorgeous valley, with a beautiful place designed to surrender and open and connect and gather with like souls. It's going to be a lifetime experience you'll never forget, period. And I think in some ways it'll give you something that you felt incomplete about, that you went, not that you want to die, but maybe the Al-Carl area of that is for everyone else who's coming to like resolve, is that maybe you'll want to live. Like many people have said that people are more afraid of fully living than actually facing the reality of our mortality. So... How about having a weekend with us that's about let's dive into fully living well, together? I want to have a lifetime with you guys and beyond. <laughs> this is just well, really well, great. Now we will, now that we know I, each other. Exactly. This is just the beginning. And I checked out the website of the retreat center. It's absolutely a gorgeous place. Oh, it just seems so healing on so many levels. So Hope, how oh, can people find out about it if they'd like to join you guys? I will put... Should I put it in the chat or say it? Um, if you go to spreadinfinitehope.com, there's a tab that says more. And when you click on that, you'll get the Graceful Passages Workshop. And um, by the way, it, it is a dear friend of mine's place, a retreat center that has had years and years of incredible 
love and attention poured into every detail of it. It, it. If you understand that land can be powerful and land can be supportive, this is that. That is why we've chosen this place to do this particular workshop. It, you can't just do this workshop any old place. It, it needs to be somewhere powerful, grounded, loving, healing, and gorgeous. <laughs> so that's why we're going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be the best of all experiences. I know it is. Well, guys, our time is coming to an end together for this time. But do you have any closing words for us? Well, um, I, uh, I guess I just want to say that, that when I learned that trust and gratefulness and peace are actually investments, not dividends, that they were required for us to invest our faith in these things that we normally associate with, oh, I feel really good and now I'm grateful. Or I have a really good reason that the seas just parted and now I trust, you know, and, and, and boy, the world is, I'm going to wait till Putin puts his arms down and then I'm going to believe in world peace, right? Well, what we're being asked to do in this life as what I'm learning is we have to invest in it. We have to believe in it. We have to offer it in as an internally uh, earned and generated experience. And then miracles happen. And when I got that, because I'm, you know, I love the Ten Commandments at 10 years old. Moses, separate the waters for me. Make me believe, you know. But when I realized that now is the time for me to invest in the, that faith before I had any evidence or to be grateful before I even be grateful for the glass rather than half full or half empty, that has been one of the most. Another way to say it is I now live my life based on life being for me, not to me. And that has been the most dramatic evolutionary step in my life. And I offer that as the final word to all of you as you navigate the meaning of life and the, and the power of connecting to your loved ones here or beyond. Oh, life for me, not to me. That's great. Oh, I love you guys. How about you, Hope? I honestly, I, I, I think that Can't beat I pretty that. much put the, put the button on it right there. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's it right there. So yeah. I'm, I'm complete. Oh, it's, well, and the website yeah. wisdomoftheworld.com is where all my music is. Spread Infinite Hope is where Hopes is. And, and we're just delighted to be introduced to your community. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, oh, Sandra. You are most welcome. And we've got one heck of a community of global listeners, watchers on YouTube, and to our friends that are listening or viewing today. Thank you so much for being here. They could be doing plenty of other things, but for some reason, your soul said, I should listen to this or I should watch this. So, Perfect. Just are are you connected to the IONS community, by the way? I am part of IONS, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I figured you would. Yeah, I've spoken yes, to them. Yeah. The one based in Hawaii. So anyway, sorry. I That's all right. Check. Yes. And, and IONS is our friends with the International Association for Near-Death Studies. So there's lots of great things that at the IONS website as well. But for our listeners, our viewers, our home base is wedontdie.com. And of course, now we've got 387 episodes. So plenty to digest there. 
at the website, there's a little pop-up that comes up if you want to join what I call my Insiders Club. It's nothing too snazzy, but it's just to get on the mailing list. But you also get a free copy of my book, We Don't Die, and a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. And like I said, grief is beneath everything that it is that I share. Chapter 10. Hey, uh, hey, Sandra, why don't I send you a track from Graceful and you can offer that as a gift to everyone when they sign up as well. How about that? I will take it. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And also, um, we have got a great home base there. We've got, you can join our Facebook group of almost 7,000 wonderful people. You can come join our free Sunday gathering, take a class in mediumship or other things as well. Lots going on there. So just want to shout out to our dear friends, Hope and Gary. Again, the websites are spreadinfinitehope.com and Gary's website, wisdomoftheworld.com. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And I love Gary's words about his mom, you know, go out, see the gardens, enjoy the sunsets, enjoy the taste of chocolate or a little wine on your tongue, whatever that may be. But life is here for enjoying and for sharing and being of service. So Hope, once again, thank you to you. And Gary, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much, Sandra. It's been a Thanks, pleasure. Hope. I it's, love you, Hope. I love you. been wonderful. <laughs> and I'm sending love to you guys. And to love to our listener or our viewer. We will see you again soon. Bye for now.